Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, I think it's only fair to start by letting you know that I plan on lying to you this morning. Not necessarily lying, I plan on misinforming you or just, just withholding truth from you. But I do plan on, on clearing it up at some point, I think. And so I'm good if you're good. We'll just do this. The Israelites have been waiting for this day for a long time. They've been wandering in the wilderness. They've been, they've been training, training to conquer the promised land. Last week, they crossed the Jordan River, and now nothing stands between them and sweet victory. They stack stones. Right, like us, they set up a memorial. These stones, they're a visual reminder of the things we've made it through, the things the Israelites have made it through. Every morning as they camp between the Jordan River and Jericho, they wake up and see that. God got them through the river. God's certainly not going to leave them alone in this opening battle. So let's read it. Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, from Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was closed up tightly because of the Israelites. No one went out or came in. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I've given Jericho and its king into your power, along with all its mighty warriors. Circle the city with all the soldiers Going around the city one time, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven trumpets made from ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, circle the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Have them blow a long blast on the ram's horn. As soon as you hear that trumpet blast, have the people shout out loud a war cry. Then the city walls will collapse. So Joshua, Nun's son, called the priests. He said to them, lift up the covenant ark. Let seven priests carry seven trumpets made from ram's horns go in front of the Lord's ark. He said to the people, go forward. Circle the city. Let the armed soldiers go in front of the Lord's ark. As soon as Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven ram's horn trumpets moved forward in front of the Lord. They blew the trumpets. The Lord's ark of the covenant followed. The initial group of soldiers was going in front of the priests who were blowing the trumpets. The rear guard was coming behind the ark. The trumpets were blowing continuously. Joshua ordered the people, don't shout. Don't let your voice be heard. Don't let a word come out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout, then shout. 
He made the Lord's ark circle the city going around one time. They went back to the camp and stayed there overnight. Joshua got up early in the morning. The priests lifted up the Lord's ark. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets made from ram's horns were going in front of the Lord's ark, blowing trumpets continuously. The armed soldiers were going in front of them. The rear guard was coming after the Lord's ark, blowing trumpets continuously. They circled the city one time on the second day. Then they went back to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at dawn. They circled the city in this way seven times. It was only on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets. Then Joshua said to the people, shout, because the Lord has given you the city. Then the people shouted. They blew the trumpets. As soon as the people heard the trumpet blast, they all shouted a loud war cry. Then the walls collapsed. The people went up and they captured the city. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's start with a hand raise. Who's heard this story or has some knowledge of this story before? Right, it, it's, it's a classic. I can still remember learning it in Sunday school. I guarantee you our kids are going to remember this morning in Sunday school. Right, it's a classic. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. It's right beside David and Goliath. Daniel in the lion's den. It captures our imagination. The people of God conquer what is often considered one of the oldest cities ever. And their weapons of choice, trumpets and the shouts of the people. And we can put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites for a bit. We can have some fun with this story. They've been preparing for this initial battle for quite some time. It was over 40 years since Moses first sent spies into the land. And when they came back, they came back with those big grapes and stories of how large the people were. How if they ever tried to enter, they would just crush them like grasshoppers. And so I like to imagine that ever since, the people have been doing push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, burpees. They've been training in hand-to-hand combat and military strategy. They've been loading up on quail meat, right? Recovering on manna shakes. They're jacked up. They're ready to fight. You can almost imagine the the battalions jostling for position, puffing up their chest, making a case for why they're the strongest, deadliest, right? Why they should be up front, the first to enter battle. And amidst all of that macho fronting, Joshua calls over the priests. It's like the priests, seriously? The priests are marching with us into battle. I don't want to say that priests are soft, but according to Exodus 28, the priests walked around wearing fine linen, skillfully woven and embroidered with shoulder straps to support their sash. They were covered in little onyx stones, two delicately braided golden chains crossing in front of them, and they had a special hat. 
AK, their outfits might not elicit the kind of fear and dominance that you'd want from your army. And it gets better because not only does Joshua send the priests near the front of the line, he has them carry the Ark of the Covenant, right? The community's prized possession with them. And then he commands seven other priests to march in front of them, and their weapons of choice are trumpets, right? And these are not like high-tech James Bond flamethrowing trumpets. They're ram's horns. They're noisemakers. Joe, fair to say, actually, there he is. You can't sneak up on someone while actively playing a trumpet. It just doesn't work. And so you can almost picture the military generals shaking their heads. They've actually won a couple battles already under the leadership of Moses, and they won them by large margins. And now you have this young leader, Joshua, and you're about to enter your first battle in the promised land, and that's the best he can come up with. It's like, we get it. The priest stepped in the river, the river stopped flowing, thanks for the magic trick, guys. But now it's time to stay in your lane. Like it or not, that's the plan. For six days in a row, they're going to silently march around the city with only the sounds of the priest's trumpet. When they're finished their lap of the city, they're going to head back to camp. And then on the seventh day, on the seventh day, they're going to silently walk around the city seven consecutive times, and then they are to stop. They're to stop, turn, face the city, the trumpets will sound, they'll all shout, and the walls will come tumbling down. And the crazy thing is, it works. Right? Go priests. So what can we take from this story? Lesson one, priests and pastors are so much more than Bible nerds and magicians. They can be cool too. All right? Take notes. But if we take a helicopter view, or even a traditional view of this story, there might also be some great lessons in here for how we as individuals, families, as, as churches with congregational meetings to, to strategize our way into the promised land, the good life, the milk and honey that we all want, there's lessons for how we might all do those things as well. Or you see, even though they did, even though we set up memorials, even though we recognize God's presence in our life, in our community, it's so easy to fall back on the path of self-reliance. Right? God may have helped us across the river of life, but, but now it's our turn to make something of ourselves, of our families, right? of our community. How easy is it to once again rely on our own strength, our own insight, our own strategies when moving forward? How easy is it to hold on to traditional wisdom of of combat or of life, traditional patterns for organizing? We get a taste of the spirit, the energy, the power of God in our midst, and it's so easy for us to begin to think, man, we're, we're hot stuff. We're killing it. I mean, you saw the river stop flowing for us, right? We did that. 
But the ancient moral of this story, the lesson that has risen to the top over the years, is that the first victory within the promised land wasn't won by strength or strategy. It was won by leaders being in tune with the Spirit of God, listening for the voice of God, and then taking intentional and and kind of risky steps forward to follow God. And that's a a hard lesson, especially for for high-functioning people. Right, Maybe, maybe you're used to being pretty darn successful. You don't want to bag, brag, but like you're typically pretty good at things. Maybe not everything, but, but you can take on most challenges and, and feel good about them. Or you walk into a room and, and you can spot the inefficiency. You can hear a, a proposal and, and almost immediately know where and how it's going to fail. You're kind of a big deal. Jericho stands no chance with you. Except what if that's not actually the best way forward? What if that's not actually what the story is trying to elevate? Maybe the point of the exercise is not to continue to inflate our own ego, our perceived strengths and abilities, but to do the opposite to remind us how the universe rolls and surprises and to encourage growth in the spiritual life, in discernment, in the art of listening to each other and and more so, listening to God. Jericho's walls didn't fall because of human strength, right? Can we all agree that Jericho didn't fall because God let loose a type A overfunctioner on them? Jericho fell because there were people in the community who sought out the spirit for guidance. It's a lesson for everyone who has ever found themselves thinking, stand back, right, and watch me work. Right? It's soldier time, and I've got some mad soldier skills. It might seem like soldier time, but then again, maybe it's time for something else. Maybe God's up to something in the world and in your life. At least for me, it feels like sometimes the best things in life are not the obvious things. And if we're only looking for spiritual guidance on the things that fit into one of our boxes, we might miss out on something special, something new, something that has the potential of filling our lives, our families with, with surprising joy life and energy. So Jericho, it's a first major victory in the promised land and it didn't go down the way people expected it to. God delivered the city into their hands and their only weapons were trumpets and a little shouting. How great is this story? What an amazing reminder to not get caught up in self-reliance, but instead to seek out that still small voice that is with us everywhere. And now some real talk. 
Well, it doesn't negate anything I just said. As I told you at the beginning, I did lie to you. And hear me out. This ancient lesson from Jericho is one of reliance on God and spirit, and one which, which encourages communities to think outside the box when approaching the promised land. All of that is still true, but I did leave some stuff out. I might have misinformed you a little bit. You see, I read the PG version, the Sunday school version. Those of you who have read it before, you maybe caught that. And there's more to this story than, than trumpets and choir anthems. There's more to this story than priests leaving, leading a, a parade and utilizing the power of prayer to bring the walls down. Yes, as the choir sang, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. And then they killed everybody. The story gets a little dark. God seemingly gets a little dark. And by a little dark, I mean horribly dark. And so I'm going to read a couple more verses to you. From Joshua 6, starting in verse 17. The city and everything in it is to be utterly wiped out as something reserved for the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, is to stay alive, along with everyone in her house. This is because she hid the messengers we sent. But you, keep away from the things set aside for God so that you don't desire and and take some of the things reserved. That would turn the camp of Israel into a thing doomed to be utterly wiped out, and it would bring calamity on it. All silver and gold, along with bronze and iron equipment, are holy to the Lord. They must go into the Lord's treasury. And so, without mercy, they wiped out everything in the city as something reserved for God. Every man and woman, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkey. The Israelites took the silver and gold and the the things made of bronze and iron and put them with the rest of the treasure that was kept at the Lord's house. Finally, they set fire to Jericho and everything in it. And after Jericho was destroyed, Joshua warned the people, someday a man will rebuild Jericho, but the Lord will put a curse on him. The man's oldest son will die when he starts to build the town walls. And by the time he finishes the wall and puts in a gate, all his children will be dead. The Lord helped Joshua in everything he did. And Joshua was famous everywhere in Canaan. What in God's name is that all about? We'll pick that up in two weeks. Amen.